God gave me the tools that I needed to increase my chance of survival. Like I think there are certain things you you have control over and you can do a lot, but then there is the God factor that you can do all the right things and still not get well. Welcome to the Intuitive Woman Podcast with your host, Tina Conroy. Gain clarity, confidence, and trust in your inner wisdom. Explore spiritual topics, including intuition, healing, wellness, yoga, vibrant living, and more. Hey there, Tina here. Thank you for pressing play and joining me today. Today is another episode of the series, Trouble to Triumph. Now, I want to give a little disclaimer to what you're going to listen to today. Today, I have a powerful, amazing woman on the show. Her name is Bailey O'Brien. Bailey O'Brien was diagnosed with stage four melanoma at the age of 17. You will hear some really raw footage of what she went through, and it may be challenging and difficult to hear because it is very emotional, her vulnerable, vulnerable story. Bailey also found her faith. So this show really does touch upon her religious and her component of finding Jesus, God, and the Bible. And so I do want to share this, everyone, because a lot of my shows tend to be spiritual in nature. This show is more in the religious content. And I want everyone to know that there is a non-judgment zone show the Intuitive Woman Show. So having no judgment and knowing that our faith is universal. So sit back, listen to Bailey's amazing story, powerful story. I'll leave all the information in the show notes. Bailey continues to help women daily for support and for strength. And feel free to share this show or to help anyone in support that is going through this terrible disease. Hey, Bailey. Welcome to the Intuitive Woman Podcast. Hi, Tina. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so glad we got to connect today. Me too. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, thank you for coming on the show and part of the series, Trouble to Triumph, sharing your story. And I know it can be very vulnerable and very difficult, but to really share that story for other women on the other side to help for support. Yeah. So... um Well, I was 17 when I moved away from home and went to college and I was stressed out like crazy and missed my home, which was my safe haven. I had my mom and my family there and I suddenly went from feeling like a big fish in a small pond to being a really super tiny fish in a, in the giant ocean. (laughs) By God's grace, I had gotten a partial scholarship to be a diver on the varsity swim and dive team. And I was just really surrounded by incredible athletes. And I felt like I totally didn't deserve to be there. And, um, academically it was very difficult. I never really had to study that hard, but then going to college was like a wake up call. Like, no, you're really not as smart as you think you are. (laughs) (laughs) So I just had these different pressures as well as socially. I was pretty socially awkward and a big part of college life is being social and going to parties. And I just didn't really feel like I fit in all that well. So I called my mom basically every day on the phone crying like, I can't do this. I'm so stressed out. And she's like, oh my gosh, this girl's going to make herself sick. So um, she prayed and asked God to give me a scare to help shift my perspective. And not much longer after that, I was diagnosed with stage three melanoma. Wow. So wait, let me back up a minute. So she prayed for you to wake up or to have a shift? Yeah. She, she asked for God to put something in my life that would shake me up and help me have a proper perspective of life that wouldn't involve <laughs> crying every day. Right. Right. Cause she cared so much and she probably felt so out of control and had to help you and wanted to support you anyway. So she leaned on her faith yeah. to help you. And then here you are now 17 and diagnosed Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was around Thanksgiving. I had gotten a bus back home and I, I had noticed this irregular mole that was changing and I thought I had a pimple under it. So I tried to 
like pop it, but it would just bleed. And then my mom ended up driving me back to school, which was about a three and a half, four hour drive. And right when we got on campus, I was like, so mom, I have this little spot here that, and she looks at it. She's like, oh my gosh, like we should go back home right now and go to the doctor. I was like, mom, no, I have school and I have practice. I have all this stuff. I can't go back home. So, um, she convinced me to come back home the following weekend and I had it, uh, removed and biopsied. And it turned out that they weren't a hundred percent sure it was melanoma, but it was suspicious for melanoma and we needed to do further exploration to see, um, if it had spread and what to do for treatment. So then actually I found out when I came home for Christmas break that it, that it was melanoma because they had biopsied it and I didn't know the results until Christmas time. How did it feel that whole, and so many women have gone through this really wait, you know, now, you know, hopefully Mm -hmm. we're going for our mammograms and things like that, but that waiting period, did you have a sense that there was something wrong? Was there any sign or intuition or hit, or did you feel that you would be okay? What was going through your mind at that time? I think I was pretty naive and I didn't think there was anything wrong, but also the doctors that I saw, like I saw the doctor at the student health center and he was like, oh, this looks fine. Like, I'm sure it's nothing. Sure. Um, Right. You could, you could wait and have it biopsied, you know, a few weeks from now when the semester's over. And I didn't really think anything of it. And then I went home, had it biopsied or removed totally and then came back to school and was waiting for the results. And it did seem like kind of a wild for the wait, but I don't know. I didn't know how long it would, it actually took for biopsies to come back. Right. So it was sort of just this new world of taking yeah. a test and waiting and wow. So now you're home on Christmas break, you get the news. Mm-hmm. Take us take us back to that moment. Oh. Well, I know let's take a deep breath. Yeah. I know this is really brings up so much. Um, it's totally fine. I, I, I don't mind sharing and I'm so grateful for how things have happened. It's just, I'll, I'll just go and share it. It was hard getting home, (laughs) getting home on the bus was always super stressful because like I'd never had to travel on my own or anything. And, um, I don't know if it was for Christmas or Thanksgiving, but I just remember getting lost in New York City and ending up in um, Staten Island. Oh <laughs> boy! <was> like, <laughs> and the sun was going down, and I ran out of money, or I was like really running low on money, and I had no idea how to get home. But then finally, I get to the train station, and and I see, meet my sister there, and then um, eventually, like. To go home and my mom picks me up from the train station and and brings me home and I have all these bags with me I have my uh, actually I don't know if it, it was between semesters so I didn't have homework with me but I had like my gym bag probably and clothes and I put it all down on the floor and I walked into the kitchen area and I see my dad there and you know, we exchange a couple of words and then he says, you should sit down. And I think, you know why? And I was like, what are you talking about? No, I don't, I don't know why you're telling me to sit down. And then he told me that the biopsy revealed cancer. Mm. And I didn't know what to think. I had, I was so uneducated about cancer and like, does everybody who gets diagnosed with cancer end up doing chemo? Does their hair fall out? Do they, you know, do you die? Sure. <laughs> I didn't know anything. So I just kind of went through all these scenarios in my head. And, but I'm pretty sure my mom told me pretty upfront that melanoma is not like a good type of cancer to get. It's, it's pretty serious. So I remember going to bed, like crying, not knowing what to think. And we just needed to go through procedures to determine if it had spread and if so, how far. And then we would talk about treatment options then. 
And so my first oncology appointment was the day after Christmas. And so Christmas was pretty gloomy. Um, and, uh, the doctor I saw said that they would have to inject a tracer where I had the mole and then see where, uh, the tracer went, which would follow the path of the cancer if it were to spread as well. And he was like feeling my right temple where I had the mole. He's pinching the skin like, yeah, we'll probably have to do a large, well, he said we would have to do a wide excision taking about maybe a two inch diameter of skin from the right temple. And because the skin was tight, they might need to do a skin graft and they might take skin from like my arm or maybe my neck to replace that skin. And then and and biopsy the node where the tracer went. So I did that early January. I think it was January 10th. They found the node where the cancer would spread and they took it out. And I'm pretty sure it was on the same day. I also had the wide excision. So they took, I was unfortunately awake for this part. They took a big patch of skin on my right temple and then cut in my neck and took like the same size patch and put it up on my temple. I'm just going to stop you for one minute. So just to, and I'm I'm taking deep breaths and I'm sending healing your way as a, as a Reiki master, I'm kind of sending and and holding us in, you know, in kind of in prayer as, as you're going Mm -hmm. through this, that the area that you're speaking about that it was on your face. So that was the, that was what you found. That was the, that was what they were detecting and Mm -hmm. biopsied. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the node they, they biopsied was in front of my ear. And so they took care of the skin on my temple and they took from my neck and then it, I went to, um, a follow-up appointment with one of the doctors and, um, I was going in pretty confident. I don't know why, just, I guess I was ignorant or just not really worried. My mom, on the other hand, was worried. And so we get in the office and he's like, yeah, the the node was positive for melanoma. Mm-hmm. So then that was another like, oh my gosh. And he said that I should have a total neck dissection where they remove many more lymph nodes to further explore and see if the cancer had spread further. And then I could possibly do some kind of systemic treatment after that. And I went for that surgery, uh, maybe six weeks later, they took out 45 lymph nodes, some of my salivary glands and went for the follow-up appointment after that. And fortunately, none of those nodes were positive for cancer. So they had all, there was only that one cancerous node. So it was stage three cancer melanoma. And they recommended a treatment called interferon, which is an older kind of immunotherapy, which had a chance, a slight chance of preventing a recurrence, but we didn't know. So we're like, well, maybe it will, maybe it won't. So let's do it. So I did that in April and May um, that year, and my doctor told me I could go back to regular life, just get checkup scans every six months or so, and I went back to college in the fall and felt like more confident. At that time, I had gotten a boyfriend, and he was like, you know, my source of comfort, and I felt I just felt more confident at that time. So college was going pretty well for two years. And then let's see, my boyfriend and I broke up in the spring of my junior year. And I had a scan around that time that in April, which showed a spot of of concern, but it wasn't really anything serious. So my doctor just wanted to keep an eye on it. And I went back for a follow-up scan late August, so right before school started again. And the that spot on the scan had increased in suspicious activity. So 
it was behind my jaw on the right side. And I went for a, a biopsy. They took, they, they did the CT scan. And then while I was in the CT scanner, they did the, the biopsy so they could see like where exactly they were going to make sure that they got the right spot. And they said that the, the results should come back very quickly and they would be able to tell me right then and there that day what the result was. But as I was waiting in recovery and a doctor came by, he said, well, we can't give you the results now. We just want to be sure we know that we give you accurate results. No, so hard. It's so, <laughs> I, I, you know, as I'm following the story with you, it's just that waiting and going back and forth and just, I can feel your mom and, you know, being a parent and I have mm -hmm. a daughter who's 20 and I have a son who's 24. Mm -hmm. So to feel probably what you're going, you know, it's just that such a horrible thing that we, you know, waiting for these results and just the anxiousness and the waiting. And then you want to know right then, you know, how many of us women are going for yeah. these scans and it's like, just tell me, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to wait, <laughs> you know, just, you yeah. almost want to know. Yeah. And I was, I was upset because the process was painful and I was hungry because I hadn't eaten that day. And then they gave me extra, like a drug to relax me. And so I had to wait even longer in recovery. I just wanted to like go eat. <laughs> so I went home and or back to school and then saw my doctor, I guess a day or a couple days later. And, and he confirmed that it was again, melanoma. So this was the beginning of my senior year and I had done really well the year before. I had worked really hard. I was doing really well as a diver athletically and I was I was so pumped to like have my best year ever and then just like that it was kind of squashed, right? Yeah. Just that shock. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that was a big bummer, but my mom and I talked and we were like, oh, maybe, maybe you could, uh, like get a job or something. Just relax, just, you know, enjoy the time you have. Cause treatment would just be like surgery. And then well, actually maybe we were thinking about this later. Um, I ended up having a surgery and the surgeon said, oh, we didn't find anything that looked like cancer, but we want to be sure. So you should have an MRI in 10 days after your body cools down from the surgery. And then we'll take it from there. Um, maybe you didn't have cancer. Hmm. So I have the MRI 10 days later and it's still there. <laughs> right. So the surgeon missed the cancer by, I think it was less than a millimeter. Right. And he was, he was such a good guy. He was a really good surgeon. He took really good care of me. He, and he went really slow. I guess he just, just didn't go that tiny bit far enough. So I had another surgery, um, scheduled. And in the meantime, another tumor grew out behind my ear and was pressing against my earlobe. So I had my pediatrician look at it cause I was still seeing my pediatrician and well, she, it was a nurse practitioner and she squeezed it and like nothing came out. So she's like, well, I don't know what it is, but you're having surgery anyway, so you'll find out. So in the, the second surgery I had, they removed both tumors and they had to take part of my ear because of the tumor, the second tumor that was pressing against my ear. And that was pretty traumatic. In, in all these surgeries, I had some facial paralysis because they were working around a major facial nerve. But this time it was like, I didn't know they were going to take part of my ear. So I woke up, I had stitches and staples in my neck. And then I had this half my face was paralyzed and I get up to go to the bathroom and I wash my hands and I look up in the mirror and I see that half my ear is gone and I just like totally lost it. It's so traumatic. And so yeah, yeah. It was it was hard. But I have my friends, my teammates come visit me, some of them. <laughs> one of them passed out in the hallway because <laughs> because of how I looked. And I didn't realize that until much later, but so it was like kind of gruesome. But um my oncologist said, 
uh, radiation might help prevent a recurrence. And at the time, because it had recurred already, the chance that it could come back again was greater than 50%. So then my mom also found this integrative oncologist for us to work with who could help with supplements and diet and things to help prevent the recurrence. So she was out of Rhode Island. And um, and where do you reside? Where, where where was home for you? What state? Yeah, um, I'm from New York, okay. about an hour north of the city. And then I went to school in Boston. So okay. it was kind of between the two places. Um, so your mom's kind of sought out more, well, I guess they wouldn't yeah. consider it alternative, but I guess more natural or other ways to help along with if you do the radiation as well. Right. Yep. Okay. So, um, she gave me a supplement, a glutamine powder to swish in my mouth and swallow because the radiation was to my neck area. So that helped prevent mucositis. And I know it worked because um, I did it initially and then I got tired of it and I stopped doing it. And when I stopped, I got the mucositis. So I got mm-hmm. sores in my mouth. Um, and also like a modified sick citrus pectin to help keep the uh, cancer encapsulated. So if it came back, it would be in a, in a tumor form and not spread with tentacles in my central nervous system. Um, and some other things like green tea. Um, she believed that I needed extra protein during the radiation, which I'm not convinced about now with the research that I've done since then. But Uh, She gave me a protein powder, multivitamin and antioxidants and different things like that. Now, were you going, were you also going for like acupuncture or Reiki treatments or were you studying meditation? Like at that point was all these new things are kind of opening up to try Mm -hmm. new avenues or that Mm -hmm. hadn't really come to play yet? Yeah, I hadn't really gotten into many other complementary and like holistic things like that just yet. So like it, it's taken a long, you know, process and time to become more and more open to things like that. So I did the radiation treatments with the supplements that the integrative oncologist recommended and finished those treatments between Christmas and New Year's. And this whole time I was worried that I wouldn't finish my treatments in time because I had bought a plane ticket to Hawaii with my teammates to go on a training trip. And so I celebrated New Year's with my friends in Boston and then went to Hawaii with my teammates early January. And when I got there, I felt this lump under my chin and it was really small, so I wasn't sure if it was something to be worried about. So I asked my teammates if they had the same kind of lump and they felt under their chins and then under my chin. And they're like, no, we don't have that. So I was like, oh, okay. So I told my mom about it and then she told my oncologist and we all agreed it could wait until I got back from my trip. So flew back to Boston, got a bus back to New York, or maybe I drove back. I don't remember. And I saw my oncologist in New York City and she biopsied. I had a lot of different doctors, so I'll say like he or she. Right, Um, right. They're all different. So she biopsied the the lump under, under my chin in her office and came back very quickly saying that it was melanoma. And that was like just... Because you've been going through this now for years. You've been this, so this is how many years in from your first, from that first diagnosis? Are we like three years in at this point? Yeah. So So I was first, yeah, first diagnosed in December, 2007. And then this was January, 2011. Okay. So about three years. And like, I was so like almost numb because of, I felt like I kept getting knocked down over and over again. Sure. And, yeah. I mean, and, how can you not feel? It's like you're going ahead, you're picking yourself back up after another surgery, you're going back to school, going, you know, trying to be quote unquote normal student and continue on the diving team and do all the things. And then it's like, 
you get hit again. Yeah. 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 And I, I was upset because of all these treatments I had gone through, I felt like they didn't do anything for me. And I was just back at square one at the beginning, but even worse off than before. And because I had just finished radiation two weeks earlier and then the cancer is back, like obviously it didn't work. So my mom had this friend who she had known for like 30 plus years who had started talking to my mom when I got this stage three recurrence, you know, just a few months before that saying you should look into more natural and alternative things because conventional treatments have, can have really bad side effects. Like one of the chemo drugs my doctor wanted me to try could make me infertile. And I didn't know that. And my doctor didn't tell me that. Mm. Yeah. Um, A lot of the things that are, that are so-called going to help us are also killing, you know, ruining, killing other things that we don't know at the time, such as, you know, fertility and, and so forth. And you were so young. Yeah. Yeah. I was 20 at the time. And so my mom's friend, like my mom said no to some alternative things that her friend had told her about. But then when I, well, my doctor said that I needed to have a scan to make sure that the cancer hadn't spread anywhere else. So I had a CT scan that night. And then my sister, who was amazing, drove me back to school. We left at four in the morning the next day because I had 8 a.m. classes and waited to get the results from the scan. And my doctor said I should hear from her the next day. Well, I didn't hear from her the next day. And that's when I was really worried. You know, I had started to learn some things about cancer. And then I don't know if it was the next day or the day after that, I had a follow-up appointment scheduled. So I, I went back to New York to see my doctor and, or I, I was planning to, I was planning to get the bus. And so I went to my morning classes and I get to my dorm to uh, just put some things down and grab some clothes and go back to New York. And I found my mom and my sister in oh, the lobby of my dorm room. Never a <laughs> and, good sign, right? <laughs> Especially when you think you're well, getting on a bus to go home. It's like, yeah. Well, for me, I was excited because I wouldn't have to go home right. on the bus because <laughs> right. that was such a process. And I was happy to see them. I was like skeptical a little bit because I was like, what are you doing here? It's such a long way to come here and you're just going to drive me back three and a half, four hours. And they're like, oh, well, you know, with the snow coming, we don't want you to get in an accident on the bus. So I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so Aww. I brought them up to my room. I packed my stuff and then I had my bag on my shoulder and I was like, all right, let's go. And then my mom told me to sit down and, and that I didn't know why. And I started to cry and she told me that the scan had confirmed a lump under my chin as well as possibly six other spots in my, in my neck, lung and spine. And not only that, but I didn't qualify for the most promising drug that my doctor wanted me to try. So basically conventional medicine wise, there was, um, nothing but this one chemo pill that had a very small chance of doing anything for me and it wasn't going to cure me. So I felt pretty like trapped in that moment. And I had this little dorm room, but a big, beautiful window that looked out on the Boston skyline. And I paced back and forth a little bit and I was inconsolable. My, my mom and my sister tried to give me a hug, but I didn't, I didn't want to be hugged. And I, I just, my bed was kind of up high and against the window. So I just leaned over it and I, I looked out and I thought about 
all the brightest minds out there in 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 the hospitals and the doctor's offices and thought about what they had to offer me and and I already knew what they had to offer and it wasn't going to help so that option was out I thought about if I do nothing no that's not going to work so I didn't think there was anything that could help I thought I was just going to die mm. Now, Bailey, but, did you have a lot of, up all through this? We didn't really kind of talk about this, but were you spiritual or religious? Are you a spiritual or religious person or in this whole period of time? Were, did you, do you have strong faith? I would say I have strong faith now, but it didn't come until several months later after this happened. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I didn't really know what I believed in God. Uh, I, what I believed about God, I had grown up in a pretty popular, uh, Christian, uh, tradition, but I always felt like God was looking down on me for my sins and the things I was doing wrong. And uh, I felt kind of like ashamed and, and so I didn't really want to have much to do with God. Sure, because religion um, but, can always have that judgment feeling. So we, yeah. I talk about that a lot with a lot of people on my show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I got to that terminal diagnosis and and there was a motivational speaker who came to my school right after that. And he talked about staying positive and working hard and, and just having faith and... Uh, my coaches reached out to him and asked if he would give me some encouragement. Um, and so we had started looking for alternatives and I was at the cancer treatment center of America in Tulsa when he called me and he told me he believed that I was going to make it. And that was like such a breath of fresh air because most people thought I was going to die. And like we had a a family friend who told my mom or my grandma, like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I forget what he said, but it was kind of like, oh yeah, well, Bailey's going to die. And that was like not helpful. But this guy was telling me he believed I was going to make it. And my mom's friend told me, told my mom, she believed hundred percent I would make it. So we had those two people and my mom who believed I would make it. And that was about it. But this guy, you know, he said, I believe you're going to make it. I don't know why, but I just believe. And he asked me what I believed about God. And I said, I don't really know what I believe about God. I haven't really thought much about it. And he believed in God. He believed in Jesus. And he encouraged me to trust God and pray for a miracle Mm. and to just keep praying. And so at that point, I started praying more And I asked God, I said, if you're real, please give me a miracle. And so I was praying and I ended up going to Mexico for some alternative treatments. And I radically like did a huge diet change. I juiced a ton of vegetable juice. I drank 13 eight ounce servings of juice per day. I did lots of detoxing through coffee enemas three times a day. I was in Mexico for three weeks and I started these injections of a mixed bacterial vaccine, which caused fevers. And I continued those when I went home. And then I had another vaccine made using my own white blood cells to boost my immune response as well. And I, I did those 13 of those one a week for 13 weeks and just tried to work really hard at everything that I had control over my diet and these treatments and, and prayed for God's healing because some people do all the right things and they don't get healed. So I knew it wasn't just dependent on me. So then after six weeks of this new regimen, I had a scan to check out my progress and I had hoped that it was working because the cancer that I had under my chin was no longer there. At least we couldn't feel it, but the only way to know would be to have a scan. So 
I went to another oncologist in New York City. And because my other one, the lady, she had dropped me as a patient when we talked about going to Mexico. Right. So sometimes um, that happens where they, they can't, they're, they're not open to something yeah. else, right? So that's, it's so unfortunate. Yes. So now you have a new oncologist at this point. Right. Well, he was, I had seen him. He was one of my first oncologists, but then we got this recommendation from a surgeon to go see this other lady who was doing some interesting work. And so I started seeing her instead, but then she dropped me because I didn't want to do her protocol. And she had apparently discovered this supplement seemed to kill melanoma cells on contact by accident in the lab. They had discovered this. So she wanted me to do the Temidar chemo pills plus the supplement. And so I started taking the supplement, but then I also wanted to do something different and she didn't like that. So, um, I had the scan March 28th, 2011, two days before my birthday, my 21st birthday. And I went back, I went to see my oncologist the next day for the results and I was cautiously optimistic and I get there and I saw like a couple different people before I actually got to see the doctor. There was a nurse and there was probably a resident and they were asking me lots of questions. I did blood work before and then they were asking me questions about um, what I did in Mexico, what my diet was like, what treatments I did. And then the doctor came in and he was asking me all the same questions. And I was like, I don't get it. Why is he asking me yeah, this cause they stuff? Were, they were probably so surprised. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was taking notes, which like he never did before. And so he's like really not saying anything. And he's like, huh? And he's looking down and he, he, he does the physical exam, like feels my lymph nodes and, and all that. And I'm like, what, what's going on here? Like, what's he thinking about? And so he washes his hands and then he leans against the countertop and he has his hand in his chin. And I'm like, dude, are you gonna say anything? Right, right. So I asked him, I was like, so what does the scan say? And he says, well, PET scans, we don't use them so much anymore because they're not the best tool, but it appears from your scan that there's no sign of active disease. And at first I'm like, wait, what do you, what does that mean? No active disease. And and he explains like, there's, there's no sign of cancer on your scan. Wow. What a miracle. Oh my gosh. It was incredible. And I just felt this, this huge burden lifted from me. And I felt like after all that hard work I did, it it had finally paid off and I was finally free from the cancer. And I didn't have to worry about it coming back because I had actually taken a proactive approach instead of just waiting, like being passive and and receiving treatments. And like, this was something I had worked for and, and it, and it worked (laughs) by God's grace. And so that was incredible. And I cried for, I cried for days. It was so just incredible. And I was so happy to be alive and I just had my health and that was basically it. I wasn't in school. I wasn't competing. I didn't have a job. I didn't, I wasn't married, didn't have any kids. (laughs) I was basically, you know, not doing much of anything, but I felt incredible and, and that was amazing. And I wanted to live the rest of my life like that. And unfortunately it was weird. It wasn't long after that, that I felt kind of the same as I did before. And I felt, I guess, like an emptiness and I had negativity and just focused a lot on small things that I knew were so insignificant, but they were affecting me. And I was like, this, this is not right. This is a tragedy. Like more than the cancer itself is to have the second chance and to waste it. So I thought about like, how can I, how can I maintain this life of joy and happiness. And I thought, well, I need to stay more positive and not get mad at my mom for stupid things and like not stress out about being late somewhere. And I needed to overcome my fears because a lot of times 
fear had held me back from things that I knew I should be doing that I wanted to do, but I was afraid to do them and just be grateful for the time that I had. You know, we always, I I always, sorry to interrupt you. I, I always talk to a lot of women on the show and I'll always say like, what's that moment where you listen to your intuition? And it's, it's sounding to me, and maybe you've never put it this way, is you knew in that moment that there was a shift to be made, that you didn't want to be in that negative place. You, with everything you had been through and you had felt that joy and gratitude when you got that last message. And it's almost like your inner spirit, your inner guide, your inner voice said to you, to be happy, to be joyful, to be to do something with your life and and not stay in that place. So it's almost sounding to me. Did you ever think of it like that? That that listening to that intuition of I want to live in that high vibration mm-hmm. place, that positive place. Because what you do now, you took that role on to help so many women and so many people. What they're what what you've been through. <laughs> It's funny you should say that because (laughs) one of my first thoughts when I got well was like, oh, great. Now people are going to want to come to me for help. (laughs) And I didn't want to give it to them. Like I, I just wanted to hold on to it for myself. And (laughs) so in this, like trying to figure out how to live a good life, I was thinking about the spiritual things more, more deeply. And like, I, I, I had prayed for a miracle and I got what many would call a miracle. And, uh, like for me, I, I don't know if I think God gave me the tools that I needed, um, to do, you know, to increase my chance of survival. Like, I think there are certain things you you have control over and you can do a lot, but then there is the God factor that, like I said before, you can do all the right things and still not get well. So I knew that it was a gift from God and I wanted to know the purpose of my life. And this was tied into um, the positivity thing and living a good life was I, I knew that there were people who didn't get well and I wanted to know why I got the chance to live when many other people didn't. And I felt if there had, if there were a purpose to my life, it had to come from God who had uh, given me the healing and provided this purpose for me. So I started going back to church, wasn't really finding what I was looking for. I wasn't finding that fulfillment. And so I went back to school and there was a welcome back barbecue for the athletes. And there was a table set up there by a group called Athletes University, which is a Christian fellowship for athletes. And I felt drawn to the table, but I was nervous and I didn't want to, you know, find these people who were going to try to pressure me into anything. But I went to the table and, and the girls there were really nice, really cool and laid back. And I spoke with them and they invited me to come to their meetings. And so I did. I went to my first meeting and, and at that first meeting, I felt like that's what I was looking for. I didn't really know why, but we read from the Bible and for the first time I, I looked at Jesus with, I gave him a chance basically, because before I hadn't really given him a chance. I had learned about him in church, but I don't know. I just kind of brushed it off, I guess. But this time I was really seeking God, seeking my purpose. And I realized like, yeah, this Jesus dude was really, really walked the earth. Mm -hmm. And he had this huge following because he was performing miracles and he was speaking truth and life to people. He was speaking kindly to people and he did all these amazing things and he died on the cross for our sins so that those who believed in him could have eternal life. And there, there were other things in the Bible that I was really attracted to. Like in revelation, it talks about heaven when there's no more tears or crying or pain and, and all our sorrow is gone. And I thought that was amazing. And I think one of the things that really hit me was when we had a guest speaker come 
and tell us that when we've trusted Jesus as our sin payment and we've invited him in our heart, when God looks at us, he sees us as totally perfect because our sins are forgiven, all past, present, and future sins. And he looks at us with such love, like unconditionally, like you could continue to sin, but I mean, we all will until we die because we have a sinful nature. But regardless of that, like he loves us and and he will always speak kindly to us. And that's something I'm continuing to learn. And there was this Bible study I did uh, last year that talked about it. So it's just reaffirming my um, experience of it and the voice of God and what it's like, what he's like. And so... I was like, okay, I really have to decide what, what I believe because whether or not this is true or not, or not, it's really going to change my life. Right, because so, you made it really personal for you so that then you could make that, you know, that, and, and that's the thing, there's no judgment, right? So that's, it's like no judgment from what other people's beliefs are. You kind of took that in for yourself that with everything you've been through. Bring us up to a little bit of today of, how you have, are helping other women and other people that are being diagnosed because you're doing such great work now. And maybe share with the listeners a little bit of that. And then, you know, we leave information, obviously, in my show notes, how to connect with you. And, you know, there may be somebody out there right now that's listening and going through this or maybe knows a family member or a friend that was diagnosed. And it's, it's just that scary feeling of, what you've been explaining uh, with, and I think there's so much, there's so much unknown with melanoma. And, and so where can you, where can people find you and, and connect with you? Mm. Uh, Well, I think God will help those who, who seek him. Like I know there was so much grace in my healing, like God put people in my life who encouraged me, who, who led me on this path. And then like from there I got the healing and I, and I started doing my own searching and he's led me through a lot. And so I think if you're in that scary moment and you, you know that you can't do it on your own, I would just encourage people like I've been encouraged as well to pray and to trust God and he will lead you to the right people and places and information. And that leads some people to me. And I try to help people by aiding in their research and just listening to what they're going through and encouraging them that, yeah, I've been in a lot of the same places with a lot of the same fears and concerns, but I, I've, been able to overcome it. And so there is hope. I believe that there's hope for every single person, regardless of what they're diagnosed with and what odds they're facing. I faced a terminal diagnosis, but there's still like melanoma has a pretty high success rate with the, the treatments that I used. So, but my faith in God makes me believe that it's possible for anyone to heal. And so I just encourage people to have hope no matter what and to pray and and just trust and I'll be there with them with that. So I have a website. It's baileyobrien.com for cancer coaching. And I write blog posts if people want to sign up for my newsletter. I try to send out a newsletter about every week or so or maybe like three a month. And then I post my newsletters to my blog and I make videos that go on YouTube and that, that can all be found on my website. Um, I have a juicing ebook where people can sign up for my newsletters. Um, and they'll get a free ebook, which has some recipes for juicing and motivation to juice and, um, like what kind of juicer people can use. And I'm on social media, Facebook, um, Instagram. And those are pretty much the ways that people can find me and work with me. Well, thank you, Bailey. And I'm going to put all the information in the show notes. I know there's a lot of listeners that would, that want to be a partner in their care and, you know, learn about juicing, no matter just on so many health 
benefits and just connect with you. And then if there is anyone listening that is needs support, you know, I'll leave all the information for Bailey. Feel free to share this episode. And also, I just thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's it cannot be easy to go through all those years of um, just, you know, going through all the years of diagnosis and the surgeries and finding your faith and now helping other people. So thank you so much for being a bright light and for keeping the faith for yourself and helping others. So God bless. Oh, thank you so much. God bless you too, Tina, and all of the people who you're blessing with uh, your inspiring podcast. You mentioned just briefly about some of the people who you've interviewed, and I find that really inspiring as well to, to hear other people's stories. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> thank you too, Tina. Thank you so much for tuning in today and listening to Bailey's story. If you know anyone that has been affected by cancer and perhaps was just diagnosed, please direct them to Bailey. Bailey is full of support and she has been there herself. Also, I want to share the benefits of Reiki healing. Reiki healing has been beneficial with a cancer diagnosis. If you're interested or you feel that this is something that you may want to add to your protocol, please reach out and contact me. I do have a 20-minute free discovery call to find out if Reiki is best for you. Reiki has been beneficial in between chemo treatments and help with physical and emotional pain. And Reiki can be done in person or long distance. I'll put the information in the show notes, connect with me for a 20 minute discovery call to see if this is best, or you can even book a Reiki session with me. I send so much healing, so much health, and so many blessings. Namaste.